0: Changes are coming to the SEC divisions are about to be out the window, but what if Tennessee wins the SEC East in 2023? What would that mean for the program heading into this new era of college football? That and a whole lot more. It's your Friday Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls. Your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And don't look now, everybody, it is Friday and no better way to start your weekend than right here on Locked On Voss. Appreciate you guys being here. I'm your host, Eric Kane. We got a fun one coming up today. Shout out every day. Thanks so much for being back in here uh, each and every day. And today what's on the docket is what if stealing this from our buddy over at Locked On Razorbacks, John Neighbors. What if Friday, what if Tennessee wins the SEC East this year? Uh, that'd be pretty cool going into this new venture in the sec with no divisions uh 10 most intriguing sec players a story over from on three there is a tennessee quarterback on that list i'm sure you know who that is and chris Ledlum back in the transfer portal that was newsworthy on thursday morning that is your show right here on locked on vols so what if again in the cold open divisions they're going away 2024 season still going to be an eight game conference slate but there's not going to be an SEC East. There's not going to be an SEC West. And moving forward, 2025 and beyond, hopefully, you know, for my sake and for a lot of y'all's sakes and for the sake of the Southeastern Conference, you know, put up or shut up, right? Hopefully it'll go to a nine-game conference schedule. Um, and if that happens, is it going to be a 3-6 model? I, I don't know. Again, they, they have a short-term solution, as the news was announced, you know, earlier uh, this summer, that it's going to be an eight-game conference schedule. We know Tennessee's opponents for the 2024 schedule and they've got the the traditional big three and all that and more but um anyway we don't we still don't exactly know what the structure is going to look like 2025 and beyond but what we do know is that the 2023 season this fall is the last season of SEC East SEC West so if Tennessee were to win the SEC East what would that mean for the program moving forward I'll tell you, well, first of all, the SEC championship game has been played in Atlanta since 1992, course of course, at the Georgia Dome, and now at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Tennessee has appeared in the championship game five times. It's won it twice, back in 1997 and 1998, and went back-to-back. Back. It's lost three times, 2001 to LSU, 2004 to Auburn, and then 2007 to LSU. And if Tennessee were to win the SEC East this year, it would tie Auburn Um, for fifth place in the SEC with six total championship game appearances. So that's the numerical data, right? I mean, that's really not important. But what's this mean for how Tennessee is viewed? What's this mean for Josh Heupel? I uh, I think it's an incredible thing for Tennessee if you were to win the SEC East this year. Obviously, if that's the case, you're back on track to where you were last year. 10 wins in the regular season, 11 wins overall. The caveat here, unless Georgia just stubs its toe two other times uh, during the season, the caveat here, at least in the SEC slate, is you would beat Georgia in November. And again, moving forward to a 12-team conference or a 12-team playoff system, that would be huge. Again, you don't have to be representing your conference in the SEC championship game to make the 12-team um, you know playoff. We've seen examples in the past where you don't even have to represent your SEC, uh, your your conference in in a four-team playoff. We've seen that a couple of times, right? So, but it would mean that Tennessee is rolling. It would mean that this was not a one-off in 2022. It would mean that what Josh Heupel has built here at Tennessee is truly sustainable. And yes, a lot of those can be true if you don't make it to Atlanta this year. Again, we've talked about expectations. In my opinion, they should be double-digit wins. The expectation should be 10 wins. The caveat, though, is knowing everything that you lost, if you finish with nine wins in the regular season, that ain't bad. That's a pretty daggone good season, in my opinion. If you finish with eight wins, it's kind of like, well, I think that there's more out there. And the season can change. Your team can change based on injuries and productions and all that. The biggest caveat, and again, we'll talk about it in segment number two, is the quarterback position in Joe Milton. So again, all of these things can be true, even if you don't make it to Atlanta. But wouldn't that be cherry on the top? Last year of division the divisions in the Southeastern Conference and you make it to Atlanta, you are <laughs> you are taking advantage of an offseason um from hell essentially for Georgia to be completely frank with you, knowing that there's still so much talent on that roster, but they've got holes to fill. Winning that game in November could supplant the back-to-back national championship champions and say, hey, there's a new dog in the SEC. There's a new player uh, in college football that shouldn't be taken lightly. So it could mean a whole lot of things. It'd be a whole lot of fun, to be honest with you. I mean, Tennessee has not appeared again Tennessee has not appeared in an SEC championship game since 2007. Guys, in 2007, I think I was in eighth grade. I Maybe I was a freshman in high school. I can't remember. It has been a minute. Um, I can barely remember Tennessee playing in the SEC championship games, of course, with Peyton and T. Martin in 1997 and 1998. I mean, I, we're talking like I was three, four years old at that time, guys. Um, I remember Tennessee playing in 04 and, and losing that game. I've, I barely remember 01. I mean, it's been a minute, and guys, I'm 30 years old. I, I ain't young anymore, right? So I just think this would be huge, and it would show, again, it would be further proof that Josh Heupel's system, the offense, you can have blind faith in, regardless of the quarterback, if there's a buy-in there and there's some there's some talent there to work with, Josh Heupel and Joey Halsley can get that quarterback operating in the system that they need, thus scoring points. It would also mean that Tennessee's defense is coming around. And it was something interesting that was mentioned on the VolQuest mailbag podcast earlier this week. I don't know if you guys had any crossover there and listened to it, but um, somebody asked the question, does Tennessee have the, enough talent and depth to make it run at a national championship? And I highlighted Austin Price's response to that uh, in, in the story because I thought it was interesting. Essentially, I can go look at Actually, I'm going to go pull it up right now, a little, uh, little live. This is not live radio right now, but... Um, on the fly I'm going to pull it up but I thought this was really interesting is how Austin answered this question again the question is does Tennessee have the talent and depth to make a national championship run here's what Austin said we're sitting here five minutes ago discussing whether or not the Vols can get past Florida for the first time in 20 years in Gainesville again that week three matchup is huge Uh, now (laughs) we got them going to the playoffs as he laughs I think they do I think if they are going to make a run at it it's more so this year than next year hubs brent hubs hubs and i've discussed this and i think um hubs has put this on the board the number of offensive and defensive linemen they could potentially lose after this year is pretty drastic on both sides of the line of scrimmage so if you're going to make a run it should probably be this year the schedule sets up pretty nicely for you you don't have any type of juggernaut in september Uh, There are some tough games, no doubt. A&M is a toss-up game. I think Tennessee can beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, which is mind-boggling for me to say right now. You get to November, see what happens with Georgia. If you don't have to stumble, if you don't have a stumble game and are sitting there with one or two losses, you'll be in position for the playoffs. And I agree with that. You can't stub your toe. You can't stumble down the stretch or anything like that. Again, like a South Carolina game last night. I know that there's somebody that comments on YouTube all the time. This is, I'm, I'm obsessed with the South Carolina game, but... I mean, guys, when you, you, you can't reference, you can't reference the 2022 season without referencing the South Carolina game. You can't reference the 2016 season where you beat uh, Georgia and in uh, and Florida without referencing the South Carolina and the Vanderbilt games. It, it's just it, you can't have it both ways, right? Um, but I agree with all that. And if you're in position to do all of what Austin just said, obviously you're in position to go to the SEC championship game if you get that win against Georgia. So forward momentum, setting yourself up for. Um, basically a new team in 2024, but I think it'd be huge, cherry on top, conclude this era of Southeastern Conference football, Tennessee getting back to the SEC Championship game for the sixth time since 1992, tying Auburn for fifth most in SEC, and it would just be further proof that what's happening here in Knoxville uh, is here to stay, and ultimately that will affect recruiting as well. So what if Tennessee makes it to the SEC Championship game? What if Tennessee wins the SEC East. It is not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever. It's not, but things have to fall their way. They've got to get through some uh, one tough stretch. They got to win a couple of toss-up games, and they got to get past Georgia in November. So uh just just kind of a fun scenario to play around with. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I'd love to hear your comments. Fill out the the comment section on YouTube. And of course, you can always hit me at underscore kaner and at Locked On Vols. So when we come back, 10 most intriguing players in the SEC. Joe Milton's on that list, and there's some other good ones on that list. We'll discuss when Locked On Vols returns. But a proud sponsor of the show, new to the show, new to the network, and we are so thrilled about it, so thrilled about it. It is eBay Motors, Okay. For a championship team, it's all about making sure that every single player fits. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle as well. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, I encourage you to head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay with eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or get this your money is back that's a pretty good guarantee right it's all about the e-motors guarantee because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop at ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit at the right prices on ebaymotors.com that is ebaymotors.com check out the ebay guaranteed fit at ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply guys i want to thank you for being back here on locked on Vols. if you're watching on youtube and you haven't subscribed to the locked on balls youtube channel Really, really encourage you to do that. It helps the show get in front of more Tennessee fans. Like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Follow us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Really, really does uh, some work. And, hey, I don't know if you guys saw me post this on social media earlier this, earlier this week, but Locked On Vols, back in the top 100 podcasts for football in the United States. We are a top 100 podcast, and it's all thanks to you guys. So appreciate really really appreciate all your guys's hard work and help me out there. All right, 10 most intriguing players in the um in the SEC this year. I really really like this topic because um you know, the some of these players can make or break the season for their respective teams. It's a a piece by Jesse Simonson, formerly of AllQuest, now of course at the parent company on 3, and he comes out and he lists 10 players who were most intriguing uh you know in the sec this year and the first player that he highlights is joe milton at tennessee and i couldn't agree more (laughs) you know for tennessee to get where they want to go you've got to have good quarterback play right you've you've got to um the same could be said for pretty much any team now you know stetson bennett's a little bit in, in 2021 he got better as the year went on but you had a super team around you right Typically, not every football team is the Georgia Bulldogs. you got to have a guy and quarterback and sling it around. Do not turn it over and process information at a fast clip, especially in Josh Heupel's offense. So Joe Milton's the first player that he highlights. This is what Jesse has to say about Joe Milton. Quote, Joe Milton has spent the last two seasons honing his game and waiting for his opportunity to lead Tennessee's offense. The former Michigan transfer beat out Hendon Hooker for the starting job in 2021, but a minor injury and inconsistency uh, relegated milton to the bench he was great in the backup role in 2022 10 touchdowns no picks led the vols to an orange ball win over clemson and now it's his show milton has perhaps the best pure arm talent in america he could be this year's Anthony Richardson or Will Levis garnering top 5 buzz thanks to some freakish plays. He also could get benched again if accuracy issues return. As five-star quarterback freshman Nico Iamaliava is the heir apparent of the Tennessee offense. All that is true. Um, you know, this is Joe Milton's team. He's been waiting, he's been waiting. He's been a great teammate. He's been a great resource for a Hendon Hooker each of the past two seasons you know shined in mop-up duty shine when his time came to start the last couple of games of the year in 2022 and he performed well uh tools intangibles everything you want in a quarterback it really kind of makes you drool if you're a football guy right but can he do it consistently can he do it week after week you guys have heard me say this a million times over the summer we will find out but i couldn't agree more joe milton without a doubt is one of the most intriguing players in the sec for 2023 now i'm going to go down this list here that jesse highlights And because, again, the quarterback position is so important, he lists five quarterbacks. So half these guys listed on the uh, on this list of the 10 most intriguing players are, you know, the quarterback position, five quarterbacks, two wide receivers, two defensive linemen and one running back. We'll stay with the quarterbacks here. So we talked about Joe Milton. Carson Beck is up next for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. and Of course, this is an easy one, right? Um, Georgia has that Stetson Bennett? great story, yada, 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 you know, great team around him, all that back-to-back national championship. And Carson Beck is probably a better athlete and probably a better quarterback in terms of arm strength and all that. And he was not, you know, he was not able to play. He's just kind of been sitting around and, and, uh, and, and waiting his turn. So, you know, what's he going to look like? He's never started a game, but I, something Jesse highlights here that, I. That i really really agree with i think this is pretty interesting what if kind of doing the what ifs in segment one what if carson beck supported by the best offensive line in the country and a very deep group of playmakers again he's got toys to play with what if carson beck leads georgia back to the college football playoff is a heisman trophy candidate and becomes a day one to two nfl draft pick in the new age of transfers carson beck could become the poster child for why staying at a program is an avenue for some. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. I'm not. I hope that doesn't happen. Obviously, but wouldn't that be neat to have a poster child who sits, 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 sits waits his turn, and then goes up there and 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 balls out? I mean, hell, Stetson Bennett kind of did that as well. But Carson Beck is to another degree. But I think everybody's intrigued to see who is Carson Beck. What does he look like week after week, and will he get back? will he get georgia back to where they want to go it'll be interesting another quarterback that he highlights here is will rogers um i've said it a couple of times and he even points it out this being jesse Simonson in the in the story here feels like will rogers has been there for a decade i like to say it feels like will rogers has been the quarterback at mississippi state since the reagan administration it's been a long time right but now the offense is slightly different without mike leach may he rest in peace Uh, It's going to be more uh, of an open concept and stuff like that and uh, more of a hybrid scheme this fall, but he, of course, still led the SEC in passing last year. He's got good feet. He's got good arm strength, and he's so overlooked. Nobody ever talks about Will Will Rogers in terms of passers in the SEC. They just don't. I don't understand why. That's why I think he's going to be a a preseason um, all-SEC pick like we talked about earlier this week, but Will Rogers is one there, but... Without Mike Leach, what does he look like? Another quarterback that's highlighted in this is uh, Will Leary, or Devin Leary, excuse me. Devin Leary was one of the best quarterbacks in the country in 2021. He broke a, or he tore a pictorial last year, missed a, a little bit, but um, he was nowhere near the quarterback that he was in minimal you know time last year. But in 2021, he had 35 touchdowns and five interceptions. How was he going to jive with Liam Cohen, who is back as the offensive coordinator at Kentucky? Um You know, and they've got some great receivers, whether you want to believe it or not. Barry and Brown, Dane Key, they've got some really good receivers up there in Lexington. They do, but they are dependent on the transfer portal so much this year, especially the line of scrimmage. But Devin Leary is a quarterback to highlight because that makes a whole lot of sense. And the last quarterback to highlight here from uh, Jesse Somerton, as we look at the top 10 most intriguing players in the SEC for 2023, is Spencer Rattler. Uh, kind of an up-and-down season, first year over there in South Carolina after being the, the, you know, essentially winning the Heisman Trophy before the 2021 season even began, right? And then he was benched and everything. Um, he says that he was kind of up and down. Then he uh, was John Elway the last couple of weeks when he beat Tennessee, beat Clemson, you know, ha- you know, played Notre Dame, of course, in the, in the bowl game. He looked really, really good. But again, he gets a new offensive coordinator now for the third time in three years. How is he going to respond? He does have Juice Wells, who's arguably one of the best wide receivers returning in the SEC. So Spencer Rattler, I think, is uh, really interesting. If not for those two games against Tennessee and Clemson, his touchdown-to-interception ratio would have been like 13-11, to 14-11. to It wouldn't have looked great at season's end. But he pretty much hit every pass that he threw against Tennessee and looked good against Clemson as well. Those are the five quarterbacks. Quickly, a couple of receivers that he highlights. Luther Brown. What does he look like in Missouri without Dominic Lovett? Uh, that, that's that's really intriguing. Of course, Lovett now over at uh, Georgia and Luther Brown, former five-star prospect. You know, homegrown. He's a Missouri-made guy, and and now he's stepping up. And you know, can he expand upon a uh, a uh, a freshman season where he caught forty-five passes and, and step up and be the playmaker that Missouri needs to be? When you talk about playmakers in the Missouri offense. The, the list starts with Luther Brown, and it ends at Luther Brown. There's not a whole lot else there, to be completely honest. So Luther Brown makes a whole lot of sense. Another wide receiver that is on this list is Malik Benson. You might remember that name from following Tennessee recruiting. He coming from the JUCO ranks as Alabama is trying to shore up the wide receiver position because it was not that great in 2020 and <laughs> 2022 compared to what it's been each of the last four seasons with da- Devonta Smith and um, you know, rugs and all these guys. I mean, it's been wide receiver you, you for so long, but they're trying to beef up that wide receiver group. And I think Malik Benson uh, can be a playmaker for Alabama. And he's intriguing because again, a lot of questions around Alabama this year, especially at the quarterback position. Those are the two wide receivers, a couple defensive linemen. He highlights Mason Smith of LSU had four sacks as a freshman, tore his ACL in the opener last year. Um, his stature, he looks like an nfl guy he's one to pay attention to another defensive lineman would be cam jackson big old frame right there in in the interior of the defensive line six foot six 355 pounds can he help shore up florida's rush defense that's a question that jesse asked and then finally a running back on the list is jarquez hunter uh from auburn and of course when you have a new head coach breaking in likely a new quarterback you want to rely on the run game, so if Auburn's going to go anywhere, they need a good season from Jarquez Hunter, who's going to take over for Tank Bigsby. Of course, he was the backup last year. Those are the list of the 10 most intriguing SEC players entering the season from on threes, Jesse Somerton. Anybody else that you like to throw in there, maybe even from Tennessee, I think in terms of Tennessee, the representation – it's got to be Joe Milton. It's got to be Joe Milton. But there's some also, there's also some other guys. Harold Perkins of LSU is a freaking stud. Jackson Dart could potentially be on this. Michael Trigg as well as Ole Miss. Uh, there, there's a lot of other players that could be on this list. But I think this is a pretty good list. And these are the quarterbacks that have a lot of questions to answer. And of course, in my opinion, it starts with Joe Milton of Tennessee. So 10 most intriguing SEC players entering the season. Who's number one for you? I would say Joe Milton is for me, and it probably is for you as well. When we come back, Tennessee experienced a player darting to the transfer portal, and it was a guy that just got here in May. More on Chris Ledlam leaving the University of Tennessee as we wrap up a Locked On Vols here in just a second. All right, guys, we are going to wrap up this week's worth of Locked On Vols here. It's going to be a shorter segment here in number three, in segment three because I went a little overboard in segments one and two but chris Ludlum, he was going to be good for tennessee this year in my opinion someone that the coaching staff was really excited about someone that could add stability to the front line uh he went into the transfer portal re-entered the transfer portal thursday morning and this is something that's you know really caught uh the coaching staff at least by surprise thinking you know the talk is that he maybe wants to be close to home but this is not something i believe the coaching staff was really w- aware of at the beginning of this week. You know, the media was able, I didn't go, but the media was able to uh, go over, there was a media availability, or I think it was Tuesday um, at Pratt Pavilion uh, for Tennessee basketball. And he wasn't practicing. There was an open portion of practice. He wasn't practicing as, uh, you know, the medical staff, I believe, was citing some type of injury to where he was going to be held out of the exhibitions in Italy. Uh, But, you know, Rick Barnes has asked about Chris Ledlum and, you know, essentially, you know, what he's going to bring to the table. And he said, yeah, he's going to, he's going to add a lot. Doesn't sound like a guy that was aware that chris Loveland was wanting to leave the program which is uh, not, not not all great but again he didn't participate in tuesday's open workout at um you know in, in practice uh tennessee spokesman at the time said that he was disclosing an injury uh, but he was not anticipating playing in the exhibition games in italy earlier next month he averaged 18 and a half points eight and a half rebounds in 28 games last season for harvard he was there for four years, played three seasons. Remember the COVID year, the Ivy League didn't play uh, basketball that season, but he came over early during the process through the transfer portal and you know was thought to be a huge addition for Tennessee, huge addition for Tennessee. Barnes was asked about uh, Chris and, um and Jordan Ganey, two of the transfers coming in during that media availability on Tuesday, and this is what he said, both of them understand how to play. Uh, Both of them have the ability to create their own shots. They both understand the game. They both, again, highly competitive, highly competitive, and have added to us. Both of them are still learning the system, but they've added a lot. That was just Tuesday. So in terms of what they've shown us from their work ethic, their attitude, their willingness, to come in right in here and blend in with our team and our program has been great. Both of those guys are going to add a lot for us. And then two days later, Chris Ledlum enters the transfer portal. So... You know, is it you wanting to be closer to home? He's from Brooklyn, New York. You know, maybe that's a thing, and I don't want to under- undervalue that. But let's look at what's happened this summer. Since Chris Ledlum, who I think would have been great for Tennessee this year and added a whole lot of stability to the front line, and I'm no basketball expert, but, I mean, that's just kind of what I see and what I believe. But since Chris Ledlum committed to Tennessee in the in the transfer portal, uh, you had Josiah Jordan-James coming back as a walk-on, adding to it, Right. And you also had toby awaka who absolutely balled out in the FIBA world cup at the the 19 and under for team usa that summer and again i'm not saying those are the reasons why maybe Levlum jumped ship but there's reason to believe that both of those guys would command more work at the four potentially and the four is where chris Levlum, you know was going to be was, was going to be playing essentially I'm not saying that's the reason he left, but you know potentially that could have been a contributing factor. So what's this mean this move? How does it impact Tennessee uh the most uh moving forward? As I noticed that I have the wrong background here on YouTube. There we go. Um I think this impacts Jonas Adeu or excuse me, I think this impacts Toby Awaka and I think this impacts Josiah Jordan James the most. Tennessee loves playing small ball. Tennessee will go a small lineup with Josiah Jordan James playing the four a lot. Olivia Comal would play the five, and Tennessee would roll that a whole lot last year. And really, Josiah has played that four position a lot uh, each of the last couple of seasons because he has defensive flexibility. There's lineup versatility in there with Josiah Jordan James. So I think Tennessee could go smaller a lot now with that as well. But also, Toby Iwaka, who is I say only six foot eight. He's only six foot eight. But he's shorter than the likes of Jonas Adu. He's shorter than the likes of um, you know, JP Australia and, and some of these other guys. He could command a little bit more of the work at the four. So I think those guys' role, of course, Josiah Jordan-James is going to have a huge role in this team. But I think Toby Awaka's role and Josiah jordan James's role at the four could grow a little bit more. I think you'll see JP Australia, his role continue to grow a little bit more as well. Um, six foot eleven, two thirty-three, can play the four or the five. He'll be a true freshman, obviously. So his role could grow a little bit. Uh, in talking with some people, still believe that Cade Phillips is gonna be an incoming freshman, still likely to be a redshirt this year, uh, most likely. But the way that Toby Owaka played this summer, and of course, you know what Josiah Jordan James can do. I think Tennessee's gonna be okay. However, it it, it takes a hit, you know, depth wise. And you know Chris Chris Lellum's a guy that's played an awful lot of basketball. He has done a lot of things uh, for Harvard, and uh, he's an experienced guy. He started 27 times in 28 games as a junior, averaging 31 and a half minutes per game, scored in double figures 26 times that season, with nine double doubles. Had a season high 35 points, had 13 rebounds in a Cornell victory in February. In in, in over 70 games the last three seasons. Leveum average 13.6 points per game, 4.6 rebounds per game, nearly two steals, almost two assists, and averaging about 25 minutes per game, making 41 starts. So, again, is this the end of the world? No, it's not. Is it a little bizarre? Yeah, because you commit in May, you get here in June, you go through some work, right before you're about to leave and go to your exhibition play in Italy, it's like, oh, hold on a minute, I think I'm going to go in the transfer portal again. Very rarely do you see a player... Um, enter and then re-enter the transfer portal in the same cycle, but that's the case. So I think Tennessee's gonna be okay, but I I'd be lying if I didn't say that this was kind of a bummer because I was looking forward to watching Chris Lovelum play some basketball for Tennessee. So bigger roles for Toby Walk and Josiah Jordan James at the four position. Uh, maybe J.P. Australia as well. Maybe his minutes will grow a little bit more as a true freshman. But overall, I think Tennessee is going to be uh, just okay. All right, that's going to do it here for this edition of Locked On Balls. Can't thank you enough for coming back. Shout out everydayers. Appreciate you guys. And if you're not an everydayer, come back Monday and find out how you can become an everydayer right here at Locked On Balls, where you make it your first listen each and every day. Subscribe, support uh, the YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, rate five stars, leave a positive review. Guys, thank you so much. Couldn't do it without you. Stay safe and have a great weekend, everybody. This is Locked on balls.